Listen up. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this podcast belong solely to the podcast participants and not to any participant's employer, organization, committee, or other group or individual. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. You know, for fun. So lighten up and enjoy. Well, Stomping Jen, yes. welcome to the Soft Serve Podcast. Oh, thanks for having me. Episode blah, blah, blah. Yeah, we don't know. We're no longer announcing episode numbers within the episode. Right. That is a strategic decision we have made. That's right. We're all well, out of order here. Yeah, uh, I'm really excited to do episode blah, blah, blah today because on it <laughs> we have Lexi Walters Wright, the owner of of High Five Books in That's Florence, right. Massachusetts. And as per the huge, I have lots of questions about this that we are going to ask Lexi. Great. Are you ready? I'm ready. Do you have questions? I always have questions. You do. Okay, let's go. Okay. Well, you did I it. did it again. <laughs> Soft Serve Podcast. Creamy, delicious ideas without the creepy truck. All right, Stomping Jen. Maybe by episode blah, 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 you'll remember I know. where you moved the buttons to. After we had a newspaper article published about our show, <laughs> the professionalism has plummeted. That's right. I can't even get my buttons straight. Well, I want to say hello to our guest, Lexi Walters. Right. Hi, Lexi. Hi, friends. How are we tonight? We are doing pretty good. How are you doing? I'm going to go with a solid A. Excellent. Good, good. Well, we wanted to have you on because you run a bookshop and own a bookshop in Florence, Massachusetts called High Five Books. And our daughter, Space Unicorn, has declared you her best friend. It's true. <laughs> and, and so I have not been to your bookstore high five books in florence massachusetts but based on that proclamation from space unicorn <laughs> i can only imagine that it is a special special place um, so i am wondering if before we talk about the bookstore you could just tell us a little bit about yourself sure yeah um my name is lexi walters right um my most important job is I am the parent of a nine and a half year old. Um, he's a super cool, really, really fun dude. Um, I am the partner of another super cool, really fun dude. Um, and I've lived in the Valley for almost 15 years. Um, I moved up here just like everybody else from New York City. And um, I was here for uh, about 13 and a half years, almost 14 years before I opened the bookshop. So um, it was, it was a, um, yeah, it's, it's been a totally wild ride for the last year and change. 
Um, but I wouldn't have it any other way. Now, can you tell us a little bit about your bookshop, High Five yeah. Books? Sure, sure. Um, so High Five Books is a very small, um, we're a, about a thousand square feet, uh, children's bookstore in downtown Florence, Massachusetts. Um, we share our space with an art school, Art Always, that has been in business for about 18 years. And Art Always is very popular among the high school and under set um, with, uh, you know, our, our teacher, Lindsay, um, has been teaching kids art for two decades. Um, and while she was teaching kids for two decades, I was in publishing. I was in um, primarily parenting publishing in, uh, in magazines and websites. And so, you know, uh, she was honing her craft, learning how to teach kids um, how to tap into their creative endeavors. And I was in um, Des Moines, Iowa and New York, um, working in magazines and on websites, primarily around pregnancy and parenting. Um, I have a, a background in child development and in journalism. Um, and when I moved up to the Valley um, to, for, a, for a job, um, it just became clear that things were changing in the journalism world. And I was watching all of my colleagues have to rethink their careers after multiple decades of working in publishing. Um, the publishing landscape really changed. And so I had a really good idea to go back to graduate school. Mm -hmm. and get, uh -huh. Sorry, I'm laughing because we yeah. both of us have had that idea. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a really bad idea. <laughs> um, and I got a master's of information and library science in, um, in hopes that someday I would be able to sort of tap into my very favorite thing in the world, which is young adult and middle grade literature um, and primarily graphic novels. Um, I'm, I'm relatively new in the last 15 years to graphic novels and to comics. Um, and I really went through this deep love affair um, about, oh gosh, about 15 years ago with like the entire canon. Um, and so I went to graduate school for a degree in something that I wasn't entirely sure what I was ever going to do with and then promptly did nothing with it. Um, I, my son was, was born. Was there, oh, some, go ahead. was there something about the experience in graduate school that ended up leading you to the bookstore and the yeah. creative space? Yeah, for sure. For sure. So primarily in publishing, I've been an editor. Um, and, and one of the things that that afforded me was a lot of access to really great writing and really great recommendations around kids' literature. Um, and so while I was in graduate school, I started uh, reviewing young adult literature myself. Um, and that was really fun, but it was also not enough. I wasn't really able to like, I mean, I could, you know, write a review of a book and then hopefully somebody would read it. But it wasn't the same as actually like handing a book to a kid and, and sort of watching that unfold happen, which I think is um, 
what I now have the privilege of seeing a whole lot. Um, you know, I, I, in library school, got a real taste of the idea that every book has its reader out there. Um, and, you know, I think all of us can remember at least one book from when we were smaller that really was like a lightning rod for the things that we cared about or kind of opened us up to a different way of thinking or being or feeling. And, and that's really, I think, super, super powerful. And we're in this wacky retail landscape right now where in order to have that experience, you either have to be hopefully in a public library. Um, if you're fortunate enough to have an indie bookstore in your town, maybe you've developed a relationship with somebody who can you know, kind of give you that book that unlocks this big feeling for you. Um, but but for the most part, we've sort of gravitated toward this model where we have to be in a strip mall at a Barnes and Noble on our own, paging through stacks and stacks of things, like hunting for the one. And it feels, and at the time for me, it felt really depersonalized. Um, and, and that's a bummer. It's a super bummer because I really do think that every kid has a book out there that's going to like... Mm. really yeah. turn them on in a, a, a super cerebral way um i remember what i remember what mine was what was it pet cemetery by stephen <laughs> yeah. king no i'm not yeah. joking i'm no, not I totally laughing what, at you. i read that i snuck it out of my father's bookshelf when i was yeah. 12 and i read yeah. it and it like i'm just i latched onto that um how you were describing how mm -hmm. it kind of opens your mind or blows yeah. your mind open and that's what it did to me mm -hmm. like I remember that did you have one Lexi did you have a book that did um, that for you I had a genre so so um I'm a kid of the 80s and um there was an author named Lurleen McDaniel who mm -hmm. um in the late 80s uh wrote a genre of teen romances that had devastating illness and death at the center of it so like um, you know, two months to live was the title of one of them. Oh, wow. um, these super melodramatic um, teen romances. And this, of course, is like before young adult literature really existed. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we, it was the sort of very beginning of, of when writing was being tailored specifically to young people. But I just remember thinking that like, I can read about girls my age doing things that I do. And that's like magic. Mm -hmm. That feels miraculous. I felt seen and it was transformative. And, you know, these girls had like crushes and boyfriends and that was really <laughs> scintillating. Yeah. And I was like eight and a half reading about this. And, That's so and it was funny. Just, it was magical. It was yeah. really magical. I have so many what about thoughts you? after all of that. But yeah. what was your, what was your book? Did you have one stomping? Jen? You know, so I, I I can't think of any specific books because I was such an avid reader. Like I uh -huh. read, I read all the time. But like I really liked, you know, Madeline Langle, that yeah. whole series. Yeah. I read Anne McCaffrey and the Dragons mm -hmm. of oh, Pern. Oh, the Dragons of Pern. Right, yeah. like I, read, I you know, yeah. my mother. Uh, I read Clan of the Cave Bear. Yeah. You know wow. that whole series. 
Yeah. I was into Stephen King. Yeah. But it's that, like, it, and I just want to go back to, it's like that feeling that mm-hmm. somebody has opened something in your brain mm-hmm. that you mm-hmm. didn't know was there, like, a secret door yeah. into yeah. your own psyche and into, like, these possibilities yeah. and these worlds you didn't know about. Yeah. Well, like, I read, like, yeah. Neil Gaiman, so, like, I, you yeah. know, I was really super into Sandman comics and stuff. But I was think, I was listening to you talk about, like, you know, the teen, young adult, you know, like, girl drama stuff and, like, you know, all the Sweet Valley High books. <laughs> Sure. Like, oh know, yeah. Sleepover friends. What I what I and what is connecting with me what what I'm connecting in my brain right now, um, as opposed to other parts of my body, like my arms. We watched this documentary last night about oh an octopus. Goodness. Oh yeah, my octopus teacher. Yes. Yeah. Um <laughs> and they were talking about how the octopus has cognition in all different parts of its body. But anyways, yeah, what I'm putting together here yes, go ahead. <laughs> is that your books, you, your talk about that feeling of yeah. like your mind being blown open. And to me, that that is a creative feeling in yeah. a way. Uh-huh. And is it a coincidence that your bookstore also has this creative like element <laughs> baked um, into it? No, that is, that is wholly by design. Can you talk um, to us a little bit about yeah, that? Yeah, for sure. So, um, it's it's a actually a very short story. I was in a position that I loved very much. A, a company that I really loved working for was on the launch team for a really important, very, um, a, a really admirable nonprofit um, dedicated to kids who have learning disabilities. I really loved my work, and it was in New York City. It was in Tribeca, and I would go down there for a week every month. And I did that for about seven years and managed a team remotely. Um, and I was lonely and bored and felt like I was super disconnected from the place that I lived and I loved where I lived and I missed my kid and I missed my partner. And, and I really didn't have a fallback plan, but I quit my job. And, and I was really serious about sort of taking that moment to pivot my career. Um, and so I took 30 days to try to figure out what in the hell I did next. Um, and so every day I had coffee with somebody who either was a friend of a friend or somebody kind of I knew in the community or somebody I'd sort of run across. And I just wanted to know what the women who lived here in Western Mass what did they do for actual work work? Because I think so many people here don't have like traditional jobs. I think they're cobbling Mm -hmm. together, um, you know, a a life and maybe a career, but maybe just a collection of jobs. And so after I had spoken to several people, it dawned on me that somebody who I had really admired the work of was my son's art teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, Lindsay Fogg Willits uh, was my son's art teacher. He had been taking classes with her for years. Um, they she she ran this incredibly runs currently this incredibly popular series of art kids art classes. And every time I saw her, she just looked like she loved the hell out of her work. And it was really awesome to like pick him up from this art class and get to chit chat with her for a minute. But that's all we ever did, right? Like we just kind of saw each other in passing. So I I invited her out for coffee um, at the Florence Pie Bar here in town owned by another really amazing um, female entrepreneur. Um, And, you know, we had a slice of pie and we got a cup of coffee to go. We started 
taking a little stroll around the neighborhood. And I kind of dropped in this idea that I was thinking about the possibility of opening a kid's bookstore. And she didn't think it was funny at all. Like she didn't laugh. And, and I explained to her how I just felt like, you know, Florence in particular is a super family friendly neighborhood. Um, it's a primarily walkable, mm -hmm. small downtown. You see the same people all the time. Um, and, you know, I would do these totally bonkers exercises where I would sit on the corner in the middle of downtown Florence and count strollers to see how many people, you know, did as many people live there who had children as I thought, mm -hmm. did they really, I mean, I could look at census data. I could look at, you know, all, all the, the actual city reports, but were people out and about and doing things? And the truth was they were like, yeah. they were out and about. And so here I was on this walk with this person who had spent almost two decades really creating a, a, a super family intensive business. And she thought this was a great idea. And we kind of floated very casually, like, wouldn't it be cool if there was a part to this creative bookstore thing where you gave art lessons sometimes? And I lamented that, you know, it, it, it felt like retail needed to be more than just a singular thing to survive right now. It had to be more than just buying things for people mm -hmm. um, because we can get it faster and cheaper every place else. So mm -hmm. why would I right. open something? What could I offer? And within, you know, 40 minutes, the two of us sort of glommed onto each other and said, we should do this. We should really put our heads together for this. Like this could be a thing. Mm -hmm. And I would be, you know, exaggerating to say that was like the very beginning and we opened three months later, but that was the beginning and we opened three months later. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, it was pretty amazing to start a business with somebody who was so incredibly thoughtful about how she had been running her own, you know, small business for so long. I, it's an incredible stroke of luck that the two of us found each other. And, you know, in those very early days of like deciding what we were going to do, it was just pretty amazing to have the brain power of somebody who I really respected, who I knew was respected in, in the community, you know, by my side. And I've got to say, like, partnering with Lindsay was my very first, you know, jump into this. And I, I think it was just the, the best possible move. It's been an awesome, almost 16 months of the two of us, like, getting to know one another personally mm -hmm. and professionally. And, and, you know, there's like been this small pandemic in the middle <laughs> of all of it also. And so we've like, you know, watched each other's coping skills throughout. And so, you know, that was kind of the genesis is that I just, yeah. I met somebody who I, I really wanted to spend professional time with and together art and books really make up two of my own passions. And she is also, you know, a, a, parent of a giant reader um and you know it it just seemed like it was a a love match and you know I, 
I don't know of any other model that looks like this. There wasn't a blueprint for us to follow, but it felt right. Yeah. And we just kept going mm-hmm. until it started to feel like we needed to to pivot. We just kind of continued moving forward together. Yeah. I mean, prior, prior to the pandemic, when you had um, young readers um, in your, in your store, what, and I'm really interested in this, yeah. what I'm hearing is a connection between art and books. Like what did yeah. you observe in those young readers who yeah. were exposed to art and books? Did one yeah. feed into the other in some way that you've That's observed? A super good question. Yeah. You know, I think um, it, graphic novels cannot be underplayed right now. Graphic novels mm-hmm. make up the majority of the, the books that we sell. Um, they're the majority of the books that I read. Um, I think graphic novels, have found themselves, you know, they, they are not, they're not up and coming. They are here. They are a legitimate and beautiful and to be treasured art form, um, that marries both narrative and, um, and, and art in a way that is, I think, wholly unique. Um, and what we see is that toddlers and preschoolers and early readers and grade schoolers get it mm-hmm. they 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 find this form of reading to be super captivating and really inspiring um you know i i watched these young people go from an art class where they were you know learning the basics of cartooning to then like piling up these graphic novels of of artists whose work that they just so admire and so respect. And I mean, I'm a parent, you two are parents, you know, graphic novels are are candy Mm -hmm. for small people. They're just, they're incredibly appealing. And I I think it's amazing. I think it's incredible. And, you know, we, we would get, and I haven't, we haven't had this since we've moved, but especially as we were opening our doors where the, bulk of our collection is in graphic novels i would get a family once in a while and they would say don't you have any real books (laughs) (laughs) and you would just watch the face of their kiddo like fall Mm -hmm. like you know like when your dad would tell you that your music was was too loud or too noisy right (laughs) like there was just this generational divide in that moment um and I, I actually, I, I experienced that a couple times, but really, for, by and large, I think families are realizing that even though their kid consumes a graphic novel in a sitting, mm-hmm. that they return to it again <laughs> and, and again and again, yeah. that it's like a security blanket after mm-hmm. a while. You know, you see girls who are toting their Raina Telgemeier graphic novels under their arms around the grade school and the middle school and like... It comes with them everywhere and they and the and the corners get tattered, right? Like how many books in your house have your kids loved so much that you've had to replace them? Yeah. Like how many Pokemon guides have you had that you've had to replace because they just look through it over and over <laughs> and over? And I think that that's amazing creative fuel for young people. I think that it is, it is, you know, like a like a fire starter for young kids and it's been just like an absolute joy to watch kids 
gravitate toward the bookshop and then stay for art classes because they were piqued by the instruction of a medium that they were interested in, or kids who came for art classes who realized that there was an entire genre, you know, maybe, maybe they had never heard of Wings of Fire. And then they realized that there was a dragon tribe that they needed to know about, right? Like, I, I think that there has just been this incredibly seamless um, sort of slalom between the two worlds. Yeah. Is, is there, is there something that you particularly appreciate about um, children's books or graphic novels or why, you know, YA novels? Um, you know, I, I'm thinking about, I'm going to call it all literature aimed yeah, at children. Yep. Yeah, that's right. Um, I think, I think what's, for me, young people's literature, when it, when it does its best work, it reveals things about experiences that I've had that maybe at the time I didn't even think through the bigness or the impact or or how all the pieces fit together after that experience. I think great young adult literature helps us as grown-ups sort of re-examine parts of our childhood and parts of our adolescence, especially for those of us who had super bumpy adolescences. Um, you know, like, I don't know. I, I don't know if this was your experience as a kid, but record stores were like mm -hmm. a, a slowly dying thing when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. And I remember walking into record stores. My, my dad would take me um, to a record store in uh, New Brunswick, New Jersey. And we would, he would just sort of let me go. Right. And there were listening stations where you'd have like, you know, lice filled headphones that you'd plop <laughs> on your head. <laughs> um, and you just like get a little snippet of a song that made you feel something that you'd never felt before. And you were like, what in the hell am I listening to? Mm -hmm. And I think a lot about that when I'm reading a really great graphic novel, you know, something by Tilly Walden or Craig Thompson or Jared Krasoska or Jean Yang, like the ability to sort of deconstruct an experience and then reconstruct it in a way that, that can be felt by and recognized by a young reader. You know, I, I use the word magic a lot, but it really, it feels like alchemy. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. And I, I think it's really powerful. Yeah. And I'm not saying this just because you're here, but bookstores were kind of that place for me oh, when wow. I was a teenager, I would just, go into them. And Did you have an independent bookstore by you? No. Um, it was like the mall. The Walden. Yeah, the Walden Sam's. books. Yeah. Out in the malls. Yeah. yeah. And, and they were next to record stores. But yeah. Sam Goody's. Yeah. yeah. Like I, I was the one kid who was like, I'll go back to Stephen King, but I was, I was the one kid who was waiting in line for the release of the new Stephen King book. Like, cause yeah. I was so, I was so transported into those worlds yeah. and that's where, that's kind of where I escaped to right. as a yeah. child and as a teenager. Um, do you know when you're holding a really remarkable 
graphic novel? Is there something about it, or a or a book, or or another, or a, even mm. a, a young children's book? Like, do you know when you're holding something that is truly remarkable and potentially like timeless? Wow, that's such a great question. Um, I don't know that I could say that I do. I I truly believe that every book has its reader, and when you're a small bookshop and you're choosing things for your your store I, I think for me i have to keep in mind literally as i'm going through catalogs or if i'm seeing authors post about their books on instagram like i have to think about who the kid is in our community who would really need this book and so i, I just do a mm. lot of thinking about like like when i'm holding a book who is the kind of kid who needs this like what is there is is this book is this the key for some kids lock? Like, is it, is it telling a story in a new way? Is it telling a super familiar story in a super soothing, really relatable way? You know, not all of the books that I love are that different or, or that groundbreaking. Most of my very favorite graphic novels and most of my favorite books like tell a very simple story very beautifully. Mm -hmm. Um, And just that like, you know, like when you listen, when you put on a a tune and you're like, damn, this is a good tune. You know, you could feel that same way about a book. And and I wish that there was just, you know, I wish there was uh, something about books universally that I could tap into and say like that our kind of book but there are certainly genres that like i know that for my shop we need to carry to Mm -hmm. represent the kiddos um in our community can i just interject for two seconds you're you're you are a co-host here (laughs) my dear so i think some of the magic that lexi has brought to high five is that curation of the Mm -hmm. selection and the ability to match a reader with a few questions uh, and it leads them in the right direction yeah and, you no know, I, yeah no i love that you brought that up and lexi i was looking at the high five books website mm-hmm. and i saw your book help page which is yeah. like basically a um kind of an online form that mm-hmm. collects information that will help match a reader with a book. Can you tell us a little bit more about that process and yeah, sure, sure, how sure. you do that? Yeah. Um, I think one of the things, so, so we created um, a book recommendation form because, you know, as a parent, we are expected to be the experts in everything that has to do with our kid. And somehow over the parenting eons, we have also had to become experts in curating all of their media for them. And that's bananas. That's totally bonkers to me that like, that, that somebody, that, that we would, we would put the onus of finding great books on parents. Yes, you know your kid the best, but books are coming out so fast yeah. and the genres are so rich that I don't expect families to know exactly what it is that they could pair their kiddo up with. So our team um, came up with this book recommendation form um, and it basically just asks you 
you know, what was the last book that your kid flipped out over? What age is your kid? And what do we need to know about your kid that would affect the kinds of books that we choose? You know, maybe your kid is dyslexic and for them, graphic novels are really, really tricky. And so you don't want to know anything about graphic novels. You don't care about it. Maybe you are the parent of an older kid who knows that there are some hot button issues that they cannot read about. It's just too difficult for them. So like we, we just strike all of that. And then um, my team and I sort of look at the parameters that, that a parent or a caretaker has put on their book request. And we get to thinking through like our favorites, through the shop hits, through what's on the indie bestseller lists right now. Um, and I think, you know, when we have that conversation in person with a kid, there's so much body language that's really easy to, you know, discern how the conversation is going. So we always talk about like, you know, what was the last thing that you that you read or had or heard? I'm, I myself, am, um, I'm an ear listener, so I, um, I don't do much in the way of actually physically reading books. I will read graphic novels, but otherwise I'm an audio book all the way. Um, aficionado. Um, you know, is that your kid's preferred modality? If that's something that we need to keep in mind, it totally changes the conversation. But I'll also ask kids when they come into the shop, like, what are you watching on Netflix? Like, what mm. are you, what are you loving? So you love Stranger Things? You really might like Clown in a Cornfield, you know? Like, yeah. okay, so you're, you're watching Game of Thrones. Like, uh, we, it really helps shape the kinds of recommendations we get. Mm-hmm. And you can also kind of watch kids as they kind of physically gravitate toward different areas of the shop. So like, you know, if you're, if you're just hanging out for a long time in the Keeper of Lost Cities section, which is a middle grade, very popular middle grade series. And I ask you like, oh, have you read these? And you're like, no, it's just, I know everybody's reading them. And then I kind of can hear that you want something that you can connect with because you're your friends and the people around you have read, but you're not really into the thing that everybody wants. Like, so it help, it begins to help shape the kind of recommendation that we'll give you. And then yeah. we try to give a list of five to 10 books that, you know, you might want to start with this and move in this direction. Um, you know, we carry books, we, we get shipments of books every day into our shop, but we certainly can't carry everything. Do you feel um, like, do you feel like kids are receptive to your recommendations? Yes. Um, one yeah. of the, one of the things like, <laughs> one of the things we struggle with in our household, and I'm sure a, a lot of parents do, like I, I, we could recommend the same exact thing, you know, you might, and because yeah. we recommended it, there's no right. way in heck they're going to read That's that. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, that right. makes sense. Yeah. So, right. but but so, um, as an adult figure, yeah, um, ish, ish. <laughs> um, yeah. So, do you, you do feel like the um, that the kids are receptive to the recommendations you're making? Well, so here's the thing: like, I actually am reading most of this stuff, mm-hmm. so I I actually have an opinion about most of it, and yeah. and that opinion often doesn't jive with everybody else's, and you know, like. I personally am not into fantasy. I am not into sci-fi. It's a problem. I need to get over it. Um, <laughs> it's it's something I'm working on. Um, and and I do have deep feelings about 
you know, specific um, formats. So like, I can always recommend a great audiobook because I'm always listening to what I think are great audiobooks. I do think that kids care about recommendations if they get a sense that the grown up who they're talking to like really is walking the walk if they're talking the mm-hmm. talk. Mm-hmm. It's true. Yeah. And I've watched her spin this magic with yeah. space unicorn multiple <laughs> times, yeah. you know, and there are books that Lexi has recommended to her that she is just captivated by mm-hmm. and wants more of. And yeah. she, you know, what's the next one in the series? And, That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, audio books. I yeah. happen to, I have developed uh, mostly because of podcasts, uh-huh. surprise, surprise into yeah. a really auditory person like I love my media Uh coming at me like primarily without visuals and with words Mm -hmm. do you feel there's a lot of um stigma against audiobooks out there in the world of people who sell literature and even those who Uh -uh. consume it okay no I don't I don't think so I mean I think one of the things that that we contend with as independent booksellers is that the biggest name in the game is Audible, which yeah. is an Amazon company. Mm-hmm. And I think we think, oh, audiobooks equal Amazon equal bad for indies. But the truth is that there are alternatives to Audible. Um, there's a service called Libro.fm, which is everything that you could possibly find on Audible for the most part, just not putting more fat in Jeff Bezos's pocket. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that if if what we're valuing is the power of story and um, the power of good writing, then having that that experience, you know, delivered to your ears rather than to your eyes, I, I think that in in our house we still consider that reading. Yep. And and if I read correctly on your website or some associated materials before, yeah. I mean, before the pandemic, when we could all get together, you did readings in the store, yeah. right? Yeah, we did. Can you we talk, did. I, I want to like dig in a little bit about the specialness of like hearing somebody mm-hmm. tell a story. Um, yeah. Have you observed something special happens to a group of kids or even a group of adults when somebody sits down and reads to them? Well, I think, I think there's something um very um universal about the way that we as parents try to connect with kids around stories and around written word right so like we read bedtime stories and we give babies books even though babies can't read but we read to them so that we foster this deep connection around hearing language and having reactions to the the tone and timbre of voice and and then as kids get a little bit older and they're sort of captivated by the pictures that are, go along with stories and i'm i you know we we've all been in a circumstance where a kid who is way too young to learn to read has memorized their favorite bedtime book and they can recite it back to you. And there's Mm -hmm. that sort of power (laughs) in the recitation of the thing that they care the most about. Um, And and that's certainly true for my own family. My my own son never had a 
a blankie or a lovey or anything, but he had these like three books that he would carry around with him. And that was like, that was how he felt the most secure. Um, and so, you know, we, we hope in this moment where things like, you know, library programs and schools are being cut, that we continue to bring kids together around, you know, hearing stories. And I think the proliferation of family podcasts is a great testament to this as well, that like there's, there's real entertainment in bringing people together and hearing stories that, that these sort of kid focused radio dramas that are being produced. And there's so many great ones, right? Like they're incredible radio stories for families. Um, you know, I, I think that I think that that's really beautiful time spent together as a family, and and it's as valuable to listen to a story that's being read to you by a person in your family, as it is. I mean, especially during this pandemic, I don't know how many times we as a family have just like instead of reading Percy Jackson next to each other cuddled in bed as as much as that's like the gold standard of how you would want a kid to consume a book right Mm -hmm. someone actually reading it to them throughout this pandemic what we've been doing is sitting around with a puzzle or with some perler beads on a sunday morning and listening to podcasts together for hours and it's like this beautiful shared experience and and i just think that that's like it's a super underrated way to pass time, both listening to stories, um, but also like getting together to consume a great tale. It's just, it yeah. feels really good. Yeah. And before we started recording, you were telling us about um, the solo stove you have. And, <laughs> you know, and, and, and I, I had made a comment about how there's something primal about yeah. fire, right? Yeah. And sitting around a fire. And I think yeah. there's something very primal in us, mm-hmm. you know, baked way down into our cellular structure about hearing stories, about yeah. hearing one another, you know, tell a tale. And, totally. and I think, I think that it just, uh, you know, speaks to oral history speaks to a lot of us. Um, yeah. Well, and especially if you are right now, a young person for whom your experience is finally being told in literature that mm-hmm. is coming out right now, right? And so, and yeah. and that's really like where High Five tries to put the most energy is in putting tales into the hands of kids who may not see their own experience reflected all of the time. So um, we sell a lot of queer books. Mm-hmm. We sell a lot of books written by and for um by POC. And we really think that it is important for kids to feel seen in the books that surround them, but also that they are exposed to entire new worlds, literally new worlds that they couldn't possibly fathom, but maybe could feel like they're seeing a bit of themselves in them. Um, I think that that's so important. Yeah. And, and do you do you um, have offerings or can you get offerings for people who might um, be visually impaired? Or, totally. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so here's the thing. Like, we, if I do my job right, everybody who has a need for some sort of 
you know, book or story related experience knows that they can tap into us so that we can help make that finding that sort of unearthing um, a little easier. That's what we love to do. Yeah. Um, I also, I was, I noticed on your webpage that you have a way of connecting readers with authors, um, mm. like local authors in our Pioneer Valley. Yeah. We're so um, fortunate. Yeah. There's so oh my many gosh. of them. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I, I think that we are incredibly lucky to be surrounded by this, you know, collection of truly award-winning writers and illustrators. And I think that it's one thing for a kid to know that the Eric Carle Museum is here because Eric Carle lived here. And it's one thing for them to know that Dr. Seuss lived in Springfield. But it's another thing to take art classes with the kids of your favorite author and to sort of see them coming and going and to know that creative pursuit is a totally valid and really respectable way to live a life. I think it's really inspiring to be in an area where we believe that, you know, pursuing writing and illustrating work for young people is something to be admired and something to honor. Yeah. I, and I had a question about that. What is some of our listeners themselves might be um, aspiring authors or YA authors or children book authors. Um, Do you have any advice for those folks? Uh, I don't. (laughs) I mean, uh, there are really great regional writing groups um, and illustrating groups. I could throw out an acronym and I would get it wrong right now. Um, But, but, you know, join your, your regional writing groups. Um, Make sure that you're reading everything that the people around you in your area are writing. Um, you know, take advantage of all of the workshops that are being put on, especially right now um, mm-hmm. on Zoom. Yeah. There is so much being offered um, by the folks who are here representing the children's book illustration and, and writing community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um you know, there's there's just so much that's being offered. Tap into our libraries, which are also doing an awesome job offering programming um, for young writers. Um, we are currently in National Novel Writing Month, NaNoWriMo. Yep. Um, mm. Make it happen. Do it. Do and, it. Do it. And it's that do it part, right? And I'm thinking about, we had, um, Lexi, we had a, um, a guest on a few weeks back, um, and now an author. Um, her name is Sam Delory, and she was writing a children's um, book, which was a retelling of The Ugly Duckling for Adopted oh. Children, right? Oh, wonderful. Called The Yell of Teddy Drake. And she came on to promote her Kickstarter um, for it and to tell us all about you know her experiences writing the book and why she was doing it. And she got it funded and she is putting it out there and like thousands of these books are going to go out to, to children who hadn't had any kind of representation in that Mm, space. That's so awesome. Um, That's so awesome. Good for her. And I've just, that kind of was, was 
jumped into my mind when she said we just did just it. I mean, it. her determin <laughs> her determination to yeah. tell the story and to reach the kids through kids her book yeah. was just which was so inspiring. And I think it it talks about the power of books and stories for children. Yeah. You know, I think. And like another thing jumped into my mind, like this memory I have of I don't know, our son, Ted, he, when he was maybe nine months old, like his hands were just like start, he could like, was just starting to do stuff. And I remember he was <laughs> sitting on my lap and I was reading to him and I remember he reached up to turn the page and I was like, what? Like, first of all, I didn't even know he was following along with this. Right. Like in the fact that he turned the page, like he may have been a year old. It was like some ridiculously young number where like, I didn't think he could be like possibly understanding what was happening, mm -hmm. but like he was, he knew I was reading him a story and I was like saying something mm. about the stuff on this page, you know? And so I was just thinking about, yeah. about well, the importance of reading and reading to kids. It's like yeah. exposing them to books too, right? Like, so, yeah. you know, for our kids, like we read to them every night, we took them twice a year to our, you know, you know, biannual, library book sale yeah let them spend as much money as they wanted yeah. on whatever they felt like they wanted um and i think about too like you know i think about we talked about big chain uh bookstores and we used to go to barnes and noble yeah every weekend sure. and yeah. just like hang out in the children yeah. and, and we knew section. when and we knew when ted yeah. walked up onto the little performance stage he would have to poop oh. like that was his thing <laughs> Oh, he's up on the stage. We're oh, going to have to change his gosh. diaper. But we used to go to the bookstore all the time. Yeah, we loved the and bookstore. And if we had had access to a wonderful independent mm -hmm. bookstore when our kids were little, we would have brought we him would have to been there all high the time. five That's books it. to poop. That's it. Um, <laughs> um, so, we uh, have a great potty. Yeah. <laughs> um, one, so one thing I was wondering if, you had any insight on was for a lot of parents, they may be wondering like, how do I know my kids ready for that YA novel or that mm. graphic novel? And do you help parents sure. like oh, navigate yeah. that uncertainty? Oh, yeah. And yeah. do you, can you tell us a little bit about that? Like that problem parents may perceive like, well, yeah, that's a great question. So most of the time, it's it goes the other direction, where a kid says, I want to read this book. And the parent looks at me and says, should they read this book? Mm -hmm. And I say, well, tell me what the last book was that you read that was like it. You know, I try, I try, to, I try to get a sense of like, what the family's values are. You know, if, if we're reading a book about, mm, you know, it, most recently I was, um, I was chatting with a really awesome uh, young person who was super, super interested in a book. A, it was a graphic novel specifically about um, gender identity and, and, coming to terms with their um, own non-binary experience. And it was a graphic novel for young adults. It was rated for teens 14 and up. This was a 12-year-old young person. And, you know, I, I literally 
held mom off to the side and I said, this is an incredible book. I really think it's a great match, but I'm going to show you three or four pages that I need you to be down with in order for me to hand this back to your kiddo. Mm. And in this particular case, the parent was totally for it. Felt actually really great about having this particular content in their kiddo's hand. Um, and that's not always been the case. I have had books returned to me um, with some salty words about kids not being ready for it. Um, and also like swing and a miss, right? right? Like, I think it's really, really hard to tell a kid that they can't read something that they're truly interested in. Mm. Um, I think that it, I think that it is also really hard to be a parent who has no time to vet everything that our kid touches. Um, and, you know, I would say that I try to screen as much of the YouTube that my kid watches as I can, but he's definitely exposed to things that I'm yeah. not like a hundred percent behind. That said, I feel like he might ask me if there was a portion of what he was watching or reading mm -hmm. that he wasn't quite ready for. Um, yeah. I think it's just so much about the conversation. Yeah. I was going to say, and at least that book represents, you know, a, it has, um, confines around it right like yeah. unlike the wide expanse of the internet right yeah. like and you as a parent could could read that book and yeah. you know anticipate potential mm -hmm. discussion points and conversations yeah. and yeah. you know i think that's a that could be a really positive thing um even even though there are some things in there that as a parent might give you totally. some worry yeah totally yeah and also, like, parents know their kids best, right? Like, I trust that if a family says, like, mm, sorry, I right. really don't want a book with abortion in it, then mm -hmm. I'm going to say, okay, well, I'm like, so next, right? Like, and, yep. and also they're the ones in most cases who are paying for these books, let's be right. clear. Yep. Um, you know, this is, this is not a library situation. Um, this is a, a sort of a retail experience. So I understand completely that yeah. if they're the ones with the dollars that they get to decide exactly yep. how to spend it. Now I noticed um, also on your website, I was, I was creeping all over it great. this week <laughs> um, and it's a great website. I Thank noticed, you. I noticed that you have teamed up with um, Northampton's Interlink Publishing to launch oh, for Valley Book Rally. The Valley yeah. Book Rally. Could you talk yeah, to us? Yeah, sure. About oh, that? totally. Yeah, Valley Book Rally was awesome. So, um, so on March thirteenth, you will recall we all got the phone. Uh, message from the state saying that yep. schools were canceled, that everything was sort of beginning to shut down. And back at High Five Books in our old location, I had families coming in. We, we closed at, um, we were supposed to close at five that night. We closed at seven. And I had folks who would bring these piles like I, I, I jokingly referred to them as panic piles of books <laughs> for kids. <laughs> And they, you know, we all thought this was going to be a really long two weeks. <laughs> so they thought they would just get as many books for these two weeks that we might be stuck at home. And family after family asked me, how do I get this amount of books into the hands of kids who 
who might not otherwise be able to get them. Maybe their families mm -hmm. can't afford it. Maybe they don't have the access to get here. What can we do? And so I uh, chatted with my friend Hannah Mushabek, who um, is an editor at two publishing companies, um, but one here in um, in, in Northampton. Uh, her family owns Interlink Publishing. And we kind of came up with this idea that we needed to crowdfund as much money as we could to get kids who needed books, some free books. So we quickly threw together a, a web page through, um, we, we threw together a, a Kickstarter. No, no, uh, GoFundMe. Uh, GoFundMe. Yep. Thank you. Excuse me. <laughs> Um, we'll edit that. We quickly came through with a GoFundMe, <laughs> and we uh, and and you know we thought that we might get a couple hundred dollars in donations from folks. Um, and after we hit ten thousand dollars, we realized that we were kind of on to something huge here. That that people really didn't want kids to go through this pandemic without yeah. something to really sink their teeth into. Now, is this a drive that's still open? Could people still yeah, contribute so, to it? So technically the fund is still open. Yeah. We, we delivered um, our 700th book um, over the, um, the last holiday weekend. We, yeah. we finished up. I have to um, give you one of these. <laughs> He's been dying hey, to do that. Yes. 700 book. That's amazing. Yeah it, was, yeah, it was really great. And actually, we teamed yeah. up with the incredible, incredible crews at um, uh, Grow Food Northampton and the Northampton Survival Center. And basically, what we did was we paired up with the stations where families who were receiving free groceries throughout the pandemic could also pick up free books for their kiddos. Um, in some cases we were just, you know, sort of stocking tables with books that they could grab. Um, we went, um, and, and matched individual kids at different housing complexes to books based on their age. Um, we tried to use as many local authors as we could for these book giveaways. And we also tried to use as many interlink publishing titles as we could. Um, and that just felt really, really awesome. It was a win-win for everybody involved. Um, and we are really eager to continue to listen to what families need especially as we enter the holiday season um, and then figure out a way to, to make some kids smile. God, thank you. I mean, our community is so lucky to mm -hmm. have people like you in it. I yeah, mean, as a, as a small business owner in a, in a bookstore, right. That is mm -hmm. so reliant on physical presence. Like mm -hmm. I'm sure things may probably have not been the easiest during the pandemic and to, to turn your energies like outward, and be thinking about the kids out there who, mm -hmm. you know, are, are in need of a book during these times. I just that like that is such a beautiful thing. Yeah, so thank you for doing that. I mean, that's oh, amazing. It was a total, total treat. It yeah. was so awesome to get to meet so many of these kids. It was really cool to chat with their caretakers. Um, you know, we have we have some really incredible people here in the valley. We were we were talking a little bit about the pandemic. Um, so sure. how, how have you had to adapt um, as a, as a, <laughs> as a physical bookstore? Sure. Yeah. So we had to close um, and, you know, we, we closed the bookshop on March 13th and 
when it became incredibly clear that things were not going to return to normal anytime soon, my um, co-business partner and I had to chat about like what we needed. We have children ourselves, our kids go to different school districts, and she and I were in the same very, very small space. Um, and we just decided that while other shops were opening back up, we just didn't feel like it was the right choice for us. And so we remained closed. Um, we continued to do curbside pickup and local delivery. And right about uh, the very middle of June, a for rent sign came up in our neighborhood um, in a standalone building that we was about a block away from our original location and it was just so perfect um the timing was not perfect but the location <laughs> was yeah. and while our doors were closed anyway and truly while we were basically serving as a holding ground for all of the valley book rally um titles that were going out you know we we at one point just had you know, a couple hundred books stacked in piles, divided up by age all over the store, which was no longer functioning as a store because folks weren't allowed in it. And we just realized we, we needed more space. We had to, you know, it was going to be a real bear. We had just opened up the shop prior, you know, nine months prior. And and we signed a new lease and it was really, really wow. terrifying. And less than 30 days later, we moved and we kind of looked at each other in the new space. We had, you know, we now had twice as much space, which meant we needed twice as much shelving and twice as much in inventory. And, and we just said like, we'll get there. Mm -hmm. And so we've had a slow roll our shelves finally arrived a couple weeks ago. Um, we continue to do curbside service and local delivery. Um, as of this evening, we just announced that we are opening up to private shopping. Yeah, I saw that. I saw that they on did, your website. Yeah. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. Um we have a very beautiful store that we're excited for folks to see um, as the general public when it's safe to do so. And until then, um, we are excited to invite folks in for 30 or 60 minute private shopping where the store is completely closed to anybody but you and your crew or your pod. Um, folks over the age of two, we ask to wear a mask and sanitize their hands, but then otherwise I am on call to help with anything folks need. And also if they just need a quiet bookstore to page through, that's mm -hmm. okay too. That's awesome. I just, I, you know, we've talked to a number of entrepreneurs yeah. and, you know, just, I love how um, inventive and resilient yes. stomping gen mm -hmm. people are. It's true. Um, and Lexi is certainly fitting fitting that mm -hmm. description um i mean in fairness i yeah. i didn't have a lot of choices <laughs> so <laughs> like, we we couldn't open yeah. to the public because the governor told us we couldn't and so we either 
we're just going to sit on all of this inventory. I mean, yeah. you know, on March 13th, we didn't have a website. Like yeah. we didn't have any inventory on the website. And so we put all the inventory on the website and then that took a week. And, and then we just kind of, I mean, I feel like this last nine months has just been an exercise akin to whack-a-mole, right? Mm -hmm. Like problem comes up, you try to attack it. Problem comes up, you try to attack it. Um, and a lot of this is, is being reactive and not, um, you know, and not proactive for the most part, but we, none of us really know what proactive could possibly look like right now. So the things that we could secure were a bigger space with more offering for whenever we had the next phase of life sort of open up to us. Um, And in the meantime, like, you know, just, I think right now as a shop and, and as a brand, our role is just to sort of hold this space of, this time is weird. We're all trying really hard to make the most out of it as caretakers, um, as people who love kids and as people who love books. Um, and, and maybe along the way we could have a little joy as possible. Yeah. I think that's awesome. Um, one other thing I, I really wanted to ask you about was the, um, on your website, you had a section called fundraise with us. Yeah, um, could you sure. talk a little bit about what that is? Sure. Yeah. So we have launched virtual uh, book fairs. So just like the book fair that you went to when you were a kid Mm. and your mom gave you $5 and you got a a paperback book and a smelly pencil, it's a lot (laughs) like that minus germs. (laughs) It's all online. So um, we use... um, we high five books has a distribution partner called bookshop.org which is a an online interface that um really was created to serve independent booksellers as a way of standing out um from amazon um you know we it, it is really difficult to match amazon's pricing and amazon's um speed you know, they don't actually make money on their books. They're, they're doing that at a loss. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're doing that as a, at a loss so that they can sell their other products. Yeah. Um, and for us, using a service like bookshop.org, which truly benefits indies in a way that no other platform has. So as an independent bookseller, I have a shop on bookshop.org. And that means that when you purchase through the High Five Bookshop, we get a percentage of your sale. You are directly getting your book sent straight to you from the distributor. And also Bookshop pools the funds at the end of each quarter and distributes it to all of its partner bookshops. So, you know, everybody gets a, a check cut to them. Um, it's a really beautiful service. And we're using our bookshop service to create these independent um, virtual book fairs. So, uh, we, we just finished one up for Pelham Elementary School. Nice. Um, they were so awesome to work with. And, um, you know, they, they, we helped create a series of categories of books for their families that reflected their school's values and the new principal's um, interests. And 
it was really sweet. It was fun to show families the kinds of books that, that kids at different ages are really excited about. And we were able to cut a check directly straight to the PTO afterwards. That is awesome. Um, and that felt really, really good. Um, and again. all of it was virtual. All right. So listen. That pay it forward again. Yeah. Listen, you people. Yes. Our listeners. Not me. Don't buy books <laughs> on Amazon. Okay. Go to High Five Bookshops. Look there. Yeah. Okay. And we have a link in our um, show, notes. show notes. Thank you, Stomping Jen. You're welcome. Um, we have, so, you know, we have a link. We'll have a link to um, Lexi's High Five um, store. bookstore. We have a link to the GoFundMe. Okay. We want people to go check out all of the links. Mm-hmm. Right? That's right. All I, the links. I'm counting six links. And Many I, links. Yeah, and I expect everyone to click on those links. That's right. All right. Thinkapalooza. Lexi, um, other, w- other than obviously um, patronizing um, high five books, um, oh. are, are there ways? Are there ways that people listening to this can help with your mission and with the bookstore? Oh, that's so sweet. So, sure, shop at High Five. Also shop everywhere that is not a chain store shop locally this season more than ever um we are entering a a holiday season in retail that is going to be unlike any other um this is a make or break season for many small businesses and you know i i challenge your listeners to try to find anything that they would buy at a big box store locally as they can. Um, It's a, it's a wacky, wacky time and small businesses need your love. Thank you. Thank Thank you you for saying that. All right. Now we're going to, we're going to ask you just a couple of questions um, that are not book related, not book related. Maybe, maybe not book. I think they're fun. I think they're fun questions. Fun. So speaking of lightning round. Yes. Yeah, and speaking <laughs> okay. of speaking of fun, what what do you like to do for fun when you're not involved um, with high five books? <laughs> or, <laughs> um, I really, really like to read graphic novels. Um, I really like to read. I like to read with my kid. I like to read by myself. Um, I live in beautiful Florence, Massachusetts, so I really am into being outside and walking while listening to books and listening to podcasts. Um, I think I remember fun from before. The <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't cook. Uh, I don't, I'm, I'm a really big reader. Um, that sounds like fun to me. So yeah. I'm I I I when I run I listen to podcasts That's or awesome. or audiobooks. So yeah. I'm with you on that. All yeah. right. This 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 next question you can interpret okay. any way you'd like. Great. Um, what have you seen that you cannot explain? And I'm gonna no. play some spooky music here. Play the spooky music. It's very loud. That's spooky yep, I'm music. Turn it down a little bit. Thank you. What have you seen wow. that you can't explain? Wow. <laughs> what have I seen that I can't explain? I mean, I never took physics. And so I can't actually 
explain a lot of the things that I see happening around me. Um, yeah, what what is that? Um, math. I think I could just just say math in general. Is that? Does that yep, work? that's fine. That's yeah, totally that's cool. fine. Yeah. No, thank you. Thank you for yep. taking a stab at it. Yeah. Um, I'm going to reveal my my true motivations. Yes. I'm on a hunt for the mystical and the and, and the supernatural. Yes. And I don't always we don't always get anything. Yes. He's wearing so, his uh, new Bigfoot. Yeah, I'm wearing uh, a, a Bigfoot <gasps> t-shirt that I, I have to give a call out to um, one of our listeners and Shutter Logic. And, and a friend, um, Shutter Logic, yes. who sent That's this fun. who sent this to me. Yes. So thank Read you. Read what it says though. It says social distancing. S- social distancing champion. Bigfoot. And it's oh. a picture of Bigfoot. Yeah, Bigfoot. Yeah, Bigfoot. <laughs> um, have you have you experienced anything paranormal lately? Me lately? Uh, no. Not lately. No, but the 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 story, the paranormal paranormal story du jour here in the Sawtooth household in the soft serve um, headquarters is about ghosts that I saw Ooh. when I was a child. Yeah. Mm. Um. So we've been we've been talking about that a lot. Mm. Yeah, he's on the hunt for like aliens and well, well, stomping Jen. <laughs> I think I think I think we've neared yes. the end of this podcast. I think so I think so. so. Let, let's start with first saying thank you to Lexi Walters Wright from High Five Books. Thank you for coming on here and talking to us. We so appreciate you. Well, yeah. thanks you too. Um, I learned. I learned a lot. I am. I just. I have a sense of deep appreciation and awe for what you're doing. Mm. Um, I. Yeah. You know. I just. And next time we take Space Unicorn for a private shopping. <gasps> yes. You'll have to come along. I will time. indeed. You should come along. Yes. You should come along. The the second uh, there's a book coming out that I have in mind for her. Okay. Well. That's a good one. We'll arrange that and mm-hmm. to our fans. I want to say thank you for listening. That's right. We love you. I do, at least. I don't know about Stomping Jenna. Whenever I say that, she just stares at me. Oh, well, because you're saying the things for both of us. Oh. There's no need for us both to say the things. Okay. All right. Well, they might appreciate hearing you say it. That's all, right, all I'm saying. You want me to say it? We love you. Um, <laughs> and um, <laughs> thanks for listening. And yeah, we you. will see you next time y'all soon right on the stomping flip. yep okay all, all right. right um lexi again it was it was it was a real pleasure i enjoyed talking with you stomping jen i know enjoyed talking with you right stomping jen that's right okay and now we're gonna say now we're gonna say bye now bye now
of poverty, disease, and ignorance will be made disappear from the earth. And that in the goodness of time, all peoples will come to live together in a peace guaranteed 